I see so many agencies that fall into that trap, they try to do everything. Oh yeah, we work for all types of products and we can do wireframe, we can prototype, we can... Yeah, of course you can do all of that. The problem is that you are not specializing yourself and you're not being very good at what you are doing. Hello, welcome to the Growing Design Podcast, where we help you grow your design agency. If you want to learn how to price your services, how to sell your expertise, and how to attract the right type of clients, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Ed Orozco. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Growing Design. Today, we have Steph Prushon with us, and he's going to be talking about design sprints and the value of design sprints and how to sell the value of design sprints and workshops in general as a design consultant or design agency. Um, Steph, can you t uh, introduce yourself a little bit for the audience? Well, thank you so much for having me uh, today, uh, Ed. Uh, so I'm Steph, I'm a designer based in Switzerland, and uh, yeah, I've been doing design sprints for the last uh, five years. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Design Sprint LTD, so highly focused on design sprint. And before that, uh, I was a more classic UXer, so I've been in UX for the last uh, 15 years, working on very big products and websites uh, for the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, you guys were the first... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were the first company in Europe to offer design sprints as a service, right? Yeah, yeah, in Europe for sure. Maybe even in the world, because back then it was mostly done at uh, Google Venture. Uh, and I, I think I've been lucky enough to be one of the very first to offer it as a, as a service for companies, yeah. And also, um, you sort of started... I don't know, this is just sort of what I, what I understand. You, you started doing it even before the book came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, 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 it's such a long story. So we are in 2021 now. Wow. Um, and I started running Design Sprint in 2015. But uh, a lot of so something that people don't get about Design Sprint, they think that it's new, it's a new concept or it's a new thing. It's not. Like the first Design Sprints, they were run at Google Venture uh, 10 years ago. The very, very first ones. But back then it was, you know, it was hidden. It was kind of a, a secret methodology that Google Venture were, were using, uh, created by my good friend Jake Knapp, uh, who was a designer back then at, uh, at GV. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't public and no one was talking about it. And... When uh, actually, so I was a designer, um, I was working for very big products um, like uh, World Economic Forum. Uh, I worked for, for, for banks also. I was designing uh, bank apps back in uh, the year 2005, 2006, seven, and, and then 2015, I discovered um, I wanted to work closer to my clients. That was the, the idea because I, I've been, you know, a production UXer. I've been in these big companies and I saw how inefficient the things were. And I got that, um, I got a job that I, I hated at the time. I'm not going to say for, but for, for a very big company, kind of IT company, very well-known in Switzerland. And I realized how broken the process was. And I just wanted to work closer to the clients. And at the time I was working with, um, you know, agile teams uh, that were doing sprints of agile, like development sprints. And I was a designer and I came up with that name, you know, I should do sprints of design. So it was early 2015 and I just 
took the domain name designsprint.com like for myself for my own uh, you know for my own workshops or my own um, thing and one day uh, you know i just write on google my own website uh design sprint and i dis discovered that uh, that thing you know it was on the blog of gv the design sprint how we do it at google venture and i read that it was just blog blog articles blog posts at this this moment and i was like oh my god and it was ex you know it was exactly what i had in mind just so much more mature and you know run at google with all the startups and that crazy cool guy jake was explaining all the the recipe and i was like this is so cool so i wrote to to that guy to jake knapp and i asked him Okay, sorry, <laughs> because I took the name and I didn't know you guys existed and that you were doing that. Uh, but it looks amazing and I have more infos. And so he gave me information and I asked him, can I do it? Am I allowed to do it? He said, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I'm writing this blog post because I want people to do it. And I think it's awesome and I'm really excited. And he told me, yeah, I'm going to release the book in March 2016. Um, so I knew in January 2016, I, you know, I just... Uh, quit my job. I started my own company. Uh, the first prints, I ran them in 2015 before the book. And uh, yeah, I was the, the first to launch the service around that. And we, be, we became good friends with, with Jake. <laughs> so if I understand correctly, you came up with the same name they came up with without knowing that they were thinking about releasing the book under the same name. Yes, exactly. Which makes a lot of, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Because when you are into design and you are a designer, uh, at some point you work with, with teams that are doing agile and that are doing sprints. So, you know, doing sprints of design made sense to me. Uh, and that's how I discovered the methodology super early, basically, because uh, no one knew about it. Uh, at least maybe uh, in San Francisco or in the, in the tech cycles. Uh, I was in tech, but in Europe, and we are always a bit late. Uh, but yeah, that allowed me to discover it really, really early. And that was, uh, that was fortunate. Maybe we can uh, pause for a second and explain a little bit the difference between development, agile sprint, and design sprint. Because it, it could be, it, I know it can be misleading, especially for people that are already working in tech and have been working in development. It's not the same thing. No, at all. At all. Actually, the, so I came in, to the concept through uh, through that but it's totally different the sprint means that it's a certain amount of time it's a time box uh, activity basically so typical agile sprint is more about engineering and development it's like two weeks and the design sprint it's uh, it's typically five days and it will gather you know designers business people uh, engineers can also be part of it but it's like way more global it's more about uh, yeah, the, the whole concept, um, getting to the right ideas and prototyping things. So it's typically UX, it's not at all uh, engineering. Yeah, the, the, the way I see it, the design sprint is more about generating ideas and deciding which direction to take. And the development sprint is building that idea and how fast or how efficiently can we build it. Exactly. The, the sprint typically comes really at the very, very beginning of the project or even before the project. And when you know what you have to, to do or to build, then yeah, you can do agile sprints to actually develop the solution. Yeah, that's, um, 
I think it's it's mind blowing the fact that you came up with this so early, that even before the book. Like, I don't think people realize that. Um, probably a lot of people say like, "Oh yeah, this guy is just he read the book and just started running sprints." No, you were actually taking a very active role in what would end up being sh- uh, the shape of design sprints as we know them today. Um, so I think that that's very cool, and and I knew that, and I wanted uh, to like cover that part because uh, I think it's it's very very interesting for the uh, the story of design sprints. Um, I want to ask you why did you decide to focus on design? I know that you were working on on doing some workshops before, and you wanted to be closer to uh, the idea generation part of the product development cycle. But why did you choose to focus on such a specific niche? Yeah, um, I mean, th- that's super interesting. The, um, the point is, first, you need to focus. It's super important. You can't, you know, you can't just do the same as everyone else. And you need to kind of specialize yourself. If you do UX, uh, you, I see so many agencies that fall into that trap. They try to do everything. Oh, yeah, we work for all types of products and we can do wireframe. We can prototype. We can. Yeah, of course, you can do all of that. The problem is that you are not specializing yourself and you're not being very good at what you're doing. Um, and myself, well, I studied uh, in tech uh, something like actively, so professionally 15 years ago. And I was also doing some front-end coding, so being very late in the chain, you know, I, like, like on the food chain. Basically, when everything is decided, you are just the guy who is just building it. So I've done that, and then I've been, you know, coming you know closer to the uh, like to the beginning of the project so i was being a designer and then uxer so my goal was to have an impact basically and because i'm not saying engineers don't have impact uh, they have a tremendous impact but they don't have an impact on the strategy or the decision most of the time they are building what was already decided before and i just saw that the sprint was an amazing opportunity for for me as a designer to have an impact but also to act a bit like a guide because, you know, I'm from Switzerland and it's sad to say, but the country is not that uh, technologically aware or, or fast in general about digital transformation. And, and people need a lot of guidance. And I felt at some point that, you know, after all these years of being, you know, uh, in, the, in the trenches and reading all these projects, I have something to add and I can really, really guide them to that process. So that was the idea. And, and also, also it's terrifying to, to run workshops. If you don't know what you are doing and you are a young UXer, yes, you're laughing. So <laughs> it, it, it's really scary. And what I love with, with, the, with the sprint, and especially when I discovered the book, how well it was, uh, uh, how well the, the recipe was uh, written in the book and was, it was so clear to me, I had, you know, kind of a guide. I knew I could follow that and it would work. So, yeah, if I'm running a workshop, I want it to work. So that was the point. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of designers want to have a role, have a say in the in the way the product is going to look like or work, but they don't want to go and talk to the client and they don't want to uh, take a more active role in the idea conception or they don't really know how to have those conversations. So they end up just doing whatever comes from, like you said, the top of the food chain. Um, you mentioned something that, Yes, front-end developers and developers are at the end of the food chain in the product development cycle. However, one of the cool things about the design sprint is that you have multidisciplinary teams coming in together to work together, right? 
Exactly, and I mean that that's what I thought was so for me to be honest, I think the design sprint is a is a total game changer in the way you work and the way you approach work and, and project. And that's why it it works also for non-tech projects. You can run design sprints for all kinds of problems. Maybe we're gonna talk about that uh, later. Uh, and what I love is that I've been some kind of developer myself, a really bad one, but I was uh, I was a developer. <laughs> and uh, I know how frustrating it is to have to build something that you know is not right, that you know is not gonna work. And uh, I think that, that's just an amazing format too. It's five days, it's packaged, and you can ask yeah, engineers, uh, data scientists, or whoever, uh, they can be here as part of the conception of the strategy of the product. They can bring everything they know and uh, yeah, you just go faster. And for them, you know, it releases all that frustration. They, they have a say uh, to the future of the project. And for me, that's, that's a total game changer. Yeah, and it's so important, I think, because developers know the technology. Ultimately, they're the ones that are building that layer between what's happening in the, in the brain or like the API or the, the application and what the user is experiencing. So... I think they're real. The last stop before, or, or like the last layer between the product and the user. Well, maybe the hardware is gonna be one one step ahead, but you know we don't have a lot of control over the hardware um, as as designers and developers. Um, let's talk a little bit about the value of design sprints. How what have you found is the most valuable um, benefit or the most valuable? Uh, outcome of running design sprints in your organization? So, um, okay, now it's five years I run design sprint and I run probably more than 120 myself so with all kinds of company. And I think that's very important to, uh, to note. So it's not only tech companies or it's not only cool kids, I will say, you know, startups, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been running design sprints with really uh, very uh, classic corporates or even governments or people very being very uh, old stylish in the way they approach things and, that, and that's okay sometimes. Um, and um, I thought the value was just about speed. It was, I thought, because when you read the book and yeah, it's like you can accomplish in five days what will take month or sometimes even years because you bring the right people together in one room, you figure out the problems and then you find solutions and you prototype them and you test them at the end of the sprint. So it's really packaged and it's great. But I realized that speed uh, is important, but it's not what matters the most. Uh, after five years, I can say it's, it's more the empowerment of the, of the teams, of the employee, of the fact of building something, conceiving something together and that you can bring any employee of the company uh, and that people can have an important role in the strategy of the product. So it's not, you know, top down with the senior manager who has to figure, uh, to, to figure it out, um, you know, like, uh, like uh, it, it doesn't depend from one person. Um, for example, uh, it's not the designer who needs to find all the solution. No, it's the team. And you can really bring everyone uh, in, in that process. So, so this for me is really key. It's also a great way to just teach UX uh, to a team. It's like, uh, you don't know what user experience is, just do a design sprint and you will see exactly how, how this works, how you come up with ideas, you select the best ideas, you prototype them and you test them at the end of the week. The test at the end of the sprint, it's always that aha moment, you know, that uh, people are like, what? Uh, because 
they, they thought before that you have to build the product for real to launch it on the market. Maybe it's going to take one, two years, and then you start having answers. The sprint, you start having answers at the end of five days without even having a real product. So yeah, the, yeah, it's that team spirit, that energy that you can create around the project. That's the real, uh, the real value. And these are people that usually don't have the opportunity or the space to collaborate because each one, if they, if we choose one person to represent each uh, stage of the development process or the product development process, they're not going to be talking to each other all the time. They're going to talk to each other every once in a while, maybe once a month or twice a month. And they probably talk for about two hours in a meeting where there's like 30 <laughs> people yeah. where nothing is really happening. You know, someone's <laughs> playing Candy Crush and, and <laughs> they're not really exchanging, which is one of the most, for me, one of the most fascinating things about the design sprint is that it's a moderated discussion because humans are really bad to, to brainstorm. And, and mm -hmm. I think Jake Knapp says this, that brainstorming doesn't work because it's, mm -hmm. it's not organized. There's always someone who's very shy. There's always someone yeah. who's very loud and the loud person is going to talk over the quiet person. So it's not the best way to make sure the best, all of the best ideas are captured. Whereas with mm -hmm. a design sprint, there's no room for, for informal discussion. Everything has um, a methodology and, yes. a, and a process that you follow. To me, that's really great because mm -hmm. I think this should be applied not only to design sprints, but the way we communicate in companies and, and teams, um, how, how we work around solutions, not necessarily mm -hmm. for, for, for product development, but for every problem that you have to discuss and brainstorm in a company. You know, I think Jake and the team that at GV, they, they wanted to design a process that's very fair to everyone. Uh, you, it's not the loudest voice in the room that wins. It's not the manager that has the best idea. It's like one, one part that's very interesting in the design sprint is that everyone's going to come up with a concept uh, individually. So you don't know what others are actually designing or doing and you discover that and that's anonymous. So you are judging ideas and you don't know who is behind the idea. So maybe it's the senior manager, but maybe it's just, uh, it could be the intern, for example, who was uh, on that sprint. And uh, I think this, this is so great because you talk about ideas and not about persons anymore. And that makes it really, really fair. And yeah, I just love that, that, that way of, uh, of working. Um, and also I love, because I'm a designer and I'm also a consultant because I bring the sprint in companies, that I don't have the responsibility of finding the ideas myself or telling the teams, you have to do that. Of course, I will bring my opinion if I'm asked or if, if I have something to say, I'm going to say during the sprint. But at the end of the day, it's the team who chooses what's the, key con what's the concept they're going to save, uh, what they're going to prototype. And my role is to guide them. And I have to admit, I'm an expert at the process of design, but I'm not an expert in the field. I've worked for cosmetics, for example. For example, I don't know anything about cosmetics myself. I'm not even a client. Look at that. <laughs> but uh, I can guide these teams to actually achieve really good work, and they are they are the experts of the field. Yeah, that that's one key thing that I think people tend to forget, which is the client is an is is an expert in whatever it is that they do because they build a business around whatever it is that they do. Like let's say cosmetics. But you as a design consultant or as a design firm, 
Your expertise is making things happen, just helping them organize their ideas and, and make decisions. This is so important, I think, also about the, um, the ROI of the sprint. There are so many projects that, you know, have gotten further thanks to the sprints. You know, they, they were pushed forward that otherwise would have just been stopped or killed very early on. Um, because, you know, when you, when you innovate in general, it's so easy to have someone saying, oh, but sorry, it's not the right time, or we don't have the budget, or it's too hard, or I've seen somewhere someone who does the same, and you know, and this kills the project very early on. And I think the sprint, it gives a good chance to these innovative projects. Um, the projects are not anymore just a PowerPoint slide or a vague idea, it's a prototype. At the, at the end of the week, it's a test, and it's way more solid. So you're just giving the project a better chance to move forward and to, to become real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you get really high quality data because yeah. if you're just, just making a very basic prototype on PowerPoint, you're, the user that, when you, that you're testing it with knows that it's just a basic prototype. So that's going to condition the type of feedback that you get. Exactly. So let's talk about, um, we, we've talked about how like what's the value for design sprints and why they're so important, not only for product development, but for decision making, uh, because they're very fair. Like you mentioned, it gives everyone uh, an anonymous voice where you're deciding ideas based on ideas and not on, on, on rank or person. Yeah. Um, you guys also have developed a lot of templates to help people run their own sprints. Um, mm -hmm. in, in Miro or, or Miro, if someone from real time board or Miro <laughs> or Miro, um, <laughs> is, is listening to this, please send us a message and teach us how to pronounce <laughs> it. Cause no, no one really knows. No one knows. No one knows. That's true. So I, I've been in touch with some people, uh, in house in there who say Miro, <laughs> and I've been in touch with some other people who say Miro. So even inside the firm, I don't think it's clear. <laughs> I have another one. There's a Miro cause I thought the name came from the from the artist, painter. so yeah. the painter. So Miro could be the right way of saying it. I don't. I don't really know. We want to know. Could be. Could be. But you Maybe. also uh, you did some templates for them. You also did some templates for Mural um, and for Envision. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. So um, I mean, the templating uh, really comes from COVID crisis. Basically, um, I think it's important to no to to note that. At this moment, that uh, before COVID, the sprint, when you read the book, uh, the sprint, it's a totally, um, you know, in-person thing, workshop, analog with paper stickies, all of this. And uh, when, COVID hit, uh, when COVID hit, you know, everything stopped. We just couldn't run workshops anymore. We couldn't gather in the same room and everything had to change. So, I mean, there was that, that idea that it was possible to run um, remote design sprints. Um, there is that guy, Robert Crowby, you can check his, uh, his website, he's from Dallas, and he was probably the first to really experiment a lot with that idea of remote design sprints. Um, but what they were doing were more like uh, experiments, or I, I couldn't recognize really the sprints that they were doing during these experiments because it wasn't really five day, it wasn't really the, the same type of workshop, but the tools were here and the exercises were there. And I was really following that. I was like, okay, that's interesting, but there is no way I can even sell that in my own country in Switzerland. Uh, back then, you know, it, it made just no sense to do it remotely uh, when we could just gather in one room. When COVID hit, 
I knew the first thing we had to do was to move remote. It was, it was crystal clear. So I had the tools, I had the, the knowledge of the, the methodology, how it's supposed to work real full five-day design sprint. And I had to build the templates for myself to run sprints. What I did, so uh, I, I built a template and, you know, I, I, I was quite nerdy because since I have uh, now quite a lot of experience in running these workshops, I know how many stickies it takes for each exercise, how many ideas are generated, how much of space of real estate it takes on the wall. So I could take all that experience and, and make, I think, pretty good uh, online templates. Started with uh, Muro, so the pink one, not the, the yellow one that is Miro. And so there, and then Jake, Jake Knapp and John Zeratsky, the, the creators of the sprints, reached out to me and were like, "Our oh, Steph, we are writing a guide to, to run remote design sprints and could you just, could just show us uh, what you guys do? So I showed them and I showed them the template and they were like, oh, wait. And they looked at the template and they were like, oh, okay, this is neat. This, this, this works. Yeah, we can, we can say that it works and that's cool. And it's actually Jake who asked me, uh, would you be okay that we kind of finish the template together? Because probably there were horrible uh, typos in English or, or he had ideas on how to improve it <laughs> a bit more. Uh, but that we finish the template together, but then that we dis distribute it under the Design Sprint name and we make it kind of the official template for Design Sprint. So yeah, I was psyched and I think that was great. So we took some time with Jake and John and Jackie Colburn also, who was, uh, who was part of it, uh, who is a great friend of, uh, of John and Jake. And we took the time to really, you know, we took the book, we took the sprints, they wrote some uh, very clear instructions and we just completed, finished the template. That was released on, uh, on Miro and then we made the Miro version and Along the way, uh, InVision reached out because they saw that it was getting popular. Because what's cool is that now a lot of people are using this template to run their own sprints, uh, including us. And yeah, InVision also, they have that nice product called Freehand that is kind of um, yeah, an alternative to Mural or Miro, and they wanted the templates as well. So, so we made it for them. And yeah, it's it just, it just cool to see all these people who are using the template worldwide and yeah, that was our contribution to, to the Remote Design Sprint. I think that was really awesome that you guys made that public and free um, because like you were saying that like a lot of companies when COVID hit were, or a lot of design firms were like, how are we going to continue working if we always yeah. run our workshops in person and we cannot meet? Um, and then that thing, when I saw it, I think I saw it on LinkedIn or something, I immediately shared with all of my friends and all of my uh, designer colleagues, because I was like, Thank this you. is so well done. And of course it, it is because you guys have all of this experience of running the real sprints. So like you yeah. said, you know how many posters it took to um, <laughs> for, for each section. Uh, so you had all the knowledge. Um, you, you were in a great position to make like the official template. So that was very cool. And I think the whole design community is very thankful uh, for that. Thanks. So um, <laughs> it, yeah, that was, that was very nice. Um, S so yeah, you, you can actually find the template, uh, you write official design sprint template and you're going to find it. Uh, what I wanted to say about templating, uh, it's not hard to, to, to make a template in general, like it's not hard to distribute a template, but it's hard to make a good one, <laughs> really hard. Because, you know, I've seen there are many templates that exist for all kinds of workshop, including design sprints. But um, what I see, a lot of people fall into the trap either to make something super complex with millions of artboards and you don't, uh, you have no clarity 
or super lean and you you don't even know where to start and i think with that one we have something that is in the sweet spot it's easy to use yet it's deep enough to like it's it's really the tool that we use we don't use any other template than this yeah so the whole point i think i i heard jake say this in an interview one time that the whole point of making the original sprint so analog and with papers and with whiteboards is to separate us from technology because technology is so distracting. Last night I was um, actually having a conversation. I was, I was on another podcast, not this one. I was invited to uh, on another podcast and we were talking about the importance of simplicity. Uh, simple is good. The more simple things are, the easier they are to understand. And especially if you're working with all this complexity that, you know, Building a product is very difficult and collaborating mm -hmm. with people to build a product is very difficult. So the, the easiest it is um, to work with the tool or the easiest it is to, to use the tool, the better for everyone because gonna, you're going to get more people on board and you're going to start actually creating value instead of fighting the tool or fighting the template. Exactly. You know, it's a, the, the design sprint is very deep and very rich. You could talk or read uh, for the end of your life about that because it's so deep. But when you take the book, for example, uh, it, it looks, you know, it's an easy read. Maybe it takes one day or two days to read it. And you're like, oh, yeah, simple, simple, simple. Uh, no, it takes, uh, it took them 150 sprints, I think, with companies like Slack or Uber before writing the book, before they were confident that, okay, this is the book we're going to write. So I see a lot being written, you know, people running one sprint or one workshop and they write full articles. And, um, but it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of what you put out. And yeah, to make, to make things look simple, like about the template, some people reached out to me and were like, oh, you should ask this exercise or this exercise or this or this or this. And I'm just asking them, yeah, but what can I remove? Because it's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, to make it, you know, uh, even more to the point uh, with less things. Wow, that's, that's so works. that's so deep and so um, impactful. It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna add another exercise unless I know it's better than what I already have in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Um, okay, so for you, what's the what's the difference between doing doing production work, you know, the classic product development work? Um, versus doing workshops like the design sprint and you know all the things that you've been doing before. Hmm. I think it's um, it's a matter probably of experience and seniority. Um, at least it, it's hard to compare. But when I was a young designer, I only cared about making nice things you know, on Photoshop, and and I wasn't. Illustrator, and I wanted to make shiny, shiny things, and I see that a lot. You know, you go on websites like Dribble, you have contests of the most, the best glossy icon, the best uh, whatever. <laughs> so I, I've done that for years, and I love that. And and at some point, you you realize that probably you're not gonna be the best visual designer in the world. Uh, there are some crazy guys anyway, and the competition is is crazy. And also, you probably you have more impact not spending 20 hours on one icon, <laughs> you see, to, to accept that it's good enough uh, to be used. And sometimes the best designs are not the most pretty, um, I would say. So once I understood that about the impacts of my work, I started to, to lose interest in just pure visual design. So I went into UX uh, to, to work on, yeah, on functionalities and the, why we are doing things. Let's start with why, you know. 
And and I think, yeah, the workshop is just another step. Uh, I know a lot of great UXers who just love to do projects and they stay in that realm of uh, pushing very big projects. Um, workshops is for a specific type of people who are okay to speak in front of people, uh, who are okay to lead people and who are okay with high level of uncertainty, sorry. Um, because you need to guide them. It's blurry, it's messy. You know, we are creating new things that just don't exist. So of course, uh, you're gonna have pushbacks, you're gonna have people who are starting to panic, uh, people who are gonna be aggressive even, and you need to be able to, yeah, to, to just guide them in a nice and meaningful way and that, that that's, you just give that energy uh, that makes the, the project start of, or move forward. And I, I just, yeah, I just felt maybe um, there are some people who are better that, than me at this, but I just felt that it was time for me. Uh, I was the right person for that. And, uh, and yeah, and it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a niche where not that many people are because it takes a lot of years of experience to be, to feel comfortable doing that and to feel, you know, relevant. There is that imposter, imposter syndrome and yeah, it just takes time <laughs> to feel good. Yeah. And how do you feel, do you think is there is, is there a difference between running sprints in Switzerland and in Europe versus running them? Because I know you guys have done sprints for other companies <clears throat> outside mm -hmm. Europe, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. And actually more and more, I think one of the big milestone, uh, thanks to COVID, <laughs> uh, is that we, we are becoming more and more international in a way. So, you know, maybe one year ago, most of my clients were in Switzerland or France, because I'm a, obviously a French speaker. So that was my... Uh, a big asset um, but now we have more and more and even like all our clients now are international and they come to us because they just want to do good design sprints uh, because it's not enough to just read the book and run a sprint uh, you you need to have clear guidance and experience um, even the templates are great tools but you need to be able to to use them well and to to create that energy and because people uh, if they commit to a sprint they want results so um, I would say there are differences in running sprints in Switzerland uh, versus the rest of the world, but I will say it's more about the mindset and awareness about technology in general. Switzerland is probably a bit, a bit late and, and we saw that, um, you know, the first month of COVID in Switzerland, it was the full panic to get just webcams or just work from home was already a big thing, you know, for the companies. Uh, so maybe that explains why we don't run that many remote design sprints with Swiss companies because they are still there trying to figure out how to work remotely uh, while uh, many companies worldwide otherwise have figured that, figured that out and are just more advanced. So I, I would say when I run sprints in Europe, I'm being more like a teacher. I really teach the process and explain why we are doing these exercises and when I will work with a startup uh, from... North America, I will be less about the process, but more about doing the work and the energy than teaching the process. That That's the difference, I would say. And do you feel like your clients from Europe, since you're more sort of teaching the process, do you feel like they are more, their mindset is more about learning how to run the process internally versus other, other clients wanting to actually run the process with you? Yeah, it's... It, it's a mix. Uh, definitely, it's um, 
people reach out to us because they want to be to run proper good design sprint and they want to learn from us and to see there is always that idea oh how can we internalize uh, the sprints you know have uh, in-house facilitators or run it for uh, for a lot of projects in-house and I mean, we are fine with that. Now we are, at first, of course, I was a bit def defensive. I was like, oh, they are, they are trying to steal all our knowledge that we gathered. And uh, now, no, I, I see our role as, uh, as uh, thought leaders in that space. And as uh, we have a lot of experience to share, and I'm really happy to be kind of a mentor for, for companies to help them. Yeah, we run the first design sprint and then we help you run design sprint in-house if you want. Um, and yeah, I think it's where we can bring, bring value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think overcoming that fear of other people stealing what you know uh, <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a big step. It's a big milestone. But once you do, it's amazing because people don't really want to steal it. They just want to. They just want to learn, and that doesn't mean that they're gonna. They're not gonna keep coming back to you for more advice because you're exactly. still exactly. seen as the expert. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. Um like when you react like that it shows that you're not very comfortable about who you are and what you can do and what's your differentiator um that's why i was fine to, to share the template because even if that template took me a lot of time to design and took us a lot of thinking um i think it's just great to share it but anyway us running sprints with our template we're adding way more value than just using the template That's what companies are looking for now. They are looking for not only run design sprint, but learning, uh, running good design sprints, especially when they are the first design sprints uh, in companies. Because, you know, you have just one chance. If you're an innovation manager and you want to bring the sprint as a methodology in your company, you need to have very good experiences, the first ones, so you can tell the story of these uh, successes in a way. Uh, and then you will be allowed to organize more and more sprints and you just can't fail your first sprint. <laughs> yeah, and some of them will actually manage just with your template and the book and the videos to run successful sprints internally. And that's fine, you know, uh, yeah. more power to e them. E exactly. The, the thing is, uh, there is also one thing uh, that we are consultants and we are external to the company is that we don't compromise. Um, and maybe I can explain a bit more about that. We, I know what works. I've run so many sprints that, and I've made, you know, even exper experiments before the book came out. So I had my own uh, ideas and exercises I wanted to, to do and formats about number of days and everything. I know what works. And what I see a lot of companies that try to internalize the sprint, you know, there will be that big boss who says, oh, five days is too long. There is no way we can do that. So let's do a two days design sprint. or so let's do it in one day. And it, it just comes as a constraint that he's not believing the, just the process or um, he wants to challenge. And the problem is that if you are an in-house facilitator and it's your first sprint, of course, you're going to compromise. You're going to say, yeah, we're going to do something in two days. You know what? It's not going to be good. It's not going to deliver the right results. And I think now we have the confidence and the, the experience to tell no. Uh, follow the process. I'm telling you the recipe is good and follow the process because we had these successes in the past. We also had failures, few failures, but uh, the, the failures were probably because we didn't respect the process or we, we won't We tried another direction than what actually works because we were asked to do it. Um, and when I looked back at my sprints five years ago without the guidance of the book, and 
what we do now wow <laughs> we <laughs> we did a lot of mistakes and i just don't want people to to redo these mistakes yeah and those mistakes reinforce that what you're doing is the right way of doing it because when you deviate from that methodology you don't get the same results yeah exactly and what i love also is that it's um I see it a bit like a, like a blue jeans. Uh, it's, a, it's a methodology that works in all kinds of contexts and that is actually run all around the world. So we are in very close contact with some top-notch facilitators worldwide. You know, we're on the Slack group. We exchange sometimes daily with some of them. So even if I operate in Switzerland or in Europe with French-speaking clients or, or, or European clients, I get insights from the US, I send insights from Europe, and we talk about the same thing. As soon as you start running one day's design sprint or whatever, you don't talk about the same thing anymore. So you can't, you can't learn from each other anymore. Yeah, I really see some value in talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah um, I was thinking, if you want to do a one-day sprint and or a, a two-day sprint and that's fine if you feel like that's valuable for you. It's not the same thing, it's a, but you're just coming up with a new process. So it's yeah. going to take you a lot of time to develop it, to mature, to test it until you're comfortable with it. And if you actually manage to develop it, please write a book. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes. we exactly. want to learn. You, you know what? It's um, uh, discovering that book, you know, at first... I was doing my own thing before the book came out. I discovered the book and I was like, yeah, it's easy to read. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. But there were, there were things I was, I, I was kind of disagreeing with. I was, oh, we can do it faster. Maybe I'm not going to do that exercise. I don't see why I will do that. And, you know, I was challenging a lot. And over time, I've realized that, you know, I've tried. When I was, something was failing and not working well, maybe it was working with one team, but I was doing it with second team and it wasn't working. And finally, I was trying to add exactly the way Jake and John were doing and having conversations even with them and I realized how smart it is and how, you know, it's really literally standing on the shoulders of, uh, shoulders of giants. They, they have run so many sprints uh, and they wrote the book when they knew it, it worked. And I, I've done the same, you know, um, there were a lot of things that I was doing at the beginning and I was a newbie and I was, and now I, I realize how good the book is and how deep it is. You can read it 10 times and you discover some more details uh, that you can add to your sprints. And like, oh yeah, it actually works. <laughs> yeah, and it's also, I think it was great that you already had some experience before you um, read the book because you read it with, a, with an skeptic mindset, mm -hmm. challenging yes. every exercise. So that sort of stress tests the ideas in the book. And for you, it's like, okay, this is solid. I already, yeah. you know... I've done it differently. Now I'm trying it this. I prefer this way. Now I feel more confident with this methodology. Yeah, exactly. You need to, but I think that's not specific to the sprint. That's about anything you read. If a book becomes a bestseller, it's for a reason. Uh, it's because the book is, uh, is really good or there is something very important or that applies not only to you or to one specific company, but that can apply to thousands of companies and you need to try to to understand the value in that book and yeah you you can have that critical you know you read you're like yeah but i'm not sure it's gonna work for me you know what just try it uh, a lot of people start changing it before even trying it uh, and my best advice is try it once twice and we talk after yeah there's no amount of advertising that can replace word of mouth 
when a <laughs> when a book like this becomes so popular is for a reason. I don't think Jake on on his own and John would have been able to promote it at the level of popularity that it is today by themselves. The reason the book became so popular is because a lot of people read the book and tried it and they felt like it really worked, that it really delivers a lot of value. And um, so they recommend it to other people and they talk about it and they YouTube about it and the idea spread. Exactly. You know, there are some people in the, in the field of UX maybe who saw it as a threat because if you do a, if you have your process that lasts three months, And then someone's telling you, oh, look what you can do in five days. It, it just looks you are trying to cut the time or cut, cut the cost and whatever. It's not that. It's The spin comes before the project, basically. So as soon as you have understood that, uh, it's not taking anyone's job. Uh, it just ensures that when the project uh, is even becoming a project, it's for a good reason. Is that there is a reason to build that thing. And eventually what is built is becoming better products because they have a reason to exist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk very briefly about your experience organizing the iToday conference. I know that was <laughs> a very uh, challenging endeavor. Um, so can, can you tell us about how you, because you started promoting the conference before COVID and then... <laughs> yeah, good timing, right? <laughs> perfect timing to plan a conference and then you had to like switch to remote. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it's such a cool uh, story and journey. Um, so basically, we, we were thinking how we can promote um, the design sprint to people who didn't know about it. Uh, because uh, I think it's super popular in the niche of UX design or, you know, design thinking field, but it's still reaching the same people over and over. And it's a niche of people who are tech aware. But we realized that the sprint can be used in all types of for all types of challenges and for really non-tech companies. And we're like, okay, we we want to, to create an, an event basically that's going to talk about innovation in general, uh, including Design Sprint as a, an important piece or method for innovation, but uh, talking yeah from a broader perspective uh, in Switzerland. And it was, uh, uh, it is still, <laughs> but basically it's, uh, uh, the idea was to have Jake coming uh, in person in Switzerland at uh, the EPFL Swiss Tech Convention Center. So if you don't know, EPFL is uh, one of the uh, most famous universities uh, uh, in, in Switzerland for sure, and one of the most famous in the world. I think it's like top 30, um, very important university. And there is a Congress Center right there, and we have links with them. And we're like, yeah, let's organize a really big ass event about innovation there. And Jake is gonna come, and also Alex Osterwalder and Yves Pina who are the author of uh, the book behind me, um, uh, Invincible Company. They are the creators of the business model canvas as well. So really, you know, like big, important uh, people in, in uh, the field of innovation. So we had all of that figured out. Uh, it was really looking good. And we launched the event. Uh, it was like December 2019. Uh, and we started heavily uh, promoting it in January. And it was supposed to happen in August. COVID hit <laughs> and uh, like in early February and that's really a bummer because when you, you know, I've put so much of energy, money, you know, uh, that we had to pay up front and so much of investment in building that and then you're like, oh, you know, it's like everything falls apart and you're like, uh, so at first we had good uh, hopes that we could organize it in August, uh, but then we saw that the situation really was uh, getting grim in Europe. 
and yeah we had to go to to go remote and so yeah uh, i learned how to stream things you know uh, how to get beat into that uh, game uh, of uh, you know podcasting or youtubing or whatever and uh, and we we run so i today uh, summit was a remote summit and still we we have what, what we decided to do is to keep the master classes as an in-person event and we hope we have good hopes that we're going to be able to do it this year same place epfl uh that will be end of august so august uh 18th and 19th convention center that will be in person and if we can do it because of covid now we know how to use the digital tools and it's going to be uh, virtual but we hope not and can people still sign up for the master class of course yeah of course uh you can go on itoday.ch um and you can sign up for uh, either jake or uh, alex osterwalder's and Fingers masterclass, and we have also a cool uh package combo uh, if you want to attend both and yeah, we, we think it's going to work because from a very big conference that was supposed to be 700 or so people uh, in kind of an auditorium, we went to a more intimate workshop. So it's going to be max between 50 to 100 people per day. And it feels, in you know, next August with vaccines, uh, with heat and sun, um, it, it looks like it's going to be possible. Yeah, hopefully we're going to get rid of these horrible evil thing that's covid yeah because um yeah as, as much it's, as the remote sprint is being very successful we're we're sick of this situation yeah yeah exactly it's you know like uh, we embraced uh, change and we we went really far you know in organizing virtual events and i think it works but uh if we have a shot you know if we can still see uh, meet each other physically i don't want to you know to i i want to try I think uh, I think it's what people want still, and uh, if we can make it work, yeah. And we are really, you know, able to adapt very fast now, so it's it's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So hopefully that's gonna work out. Um, I'm definitely definitely gonna be there. Um, all right. So Steph, thank you so much. This been it's been amazing. It's been a huge pleasure to have you on the podcast and talk about all of these very cool things. <clears throat> Where can people go to find more about your company, Design Sprint, and about yourself and about the iToday conference? Sure. Uh, so for iToday that we just talked about, it's itoday.ch. Uh, that's where you get uh, those about the masterclasses this summer. Uh, we have a monthly event that's called iToday Apero, kind of happy hour thing uh, with talks each month. Uh, so you are welcome. That's for free. And if you want to know more about Design Sprint and my company, uh, you can look on Google. It's Design Sprint uh, Switzerland or design-sprint.com. Uh, the company is called Design Sprint LTD. Uh, and if you want to follow me closely, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So under the name Steph Cruchon, S-T-E-P-H. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add all of these links um, in the show notes so that it's easier for people to just tap and, and follow you. Um, all right. So there you have it, folks. That was Steph Cruchon and the history of Design Sprint. And thank you so much for listening. Steph, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you for having me, Ed. Really, really cool. See you soon. Bye. Yes. <laughs>